You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. And finally, our third sponsor is 988. The Oklahoma 988 Mental Health Lifeline, 988 is a direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with trained behavioral health professionals that can get all Oklahomans the help that they need. Learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com. That's 988oklahoma.com. And now, let's get into today's episode. My guest today is super fascinating, had a wonderful tour of his facility the museum and the art gallery i highly recommend you come down and see both of them even if you aren't a fan of toys uh it's just epic so kevin stark thank you so much for joining me excited to dive into your story uh, and share some i mean i'm sure there's many stories but you know we're down in paul's valley right in downtown uh Beautiful towns getting ready for Christmas. There's Christmas music playing outside, which I'm not a huge fan of. <laughs> well, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got out of my car earlier, it was kind of someone was playing it loudly. I was like, mm, yeah, it's December. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thanks so much for inviting me down and thanks so much for the tour. This is really neat, really cool experience. Uh, and I'm well, very fortunate to get it. Private tour from you. Thank you so much on that. Um, Obviously, a huge shout out to the Chickasaw Country folks who uh, put us together and connected us last week. I really appreciate those guys that work at Chickasaw Country and obviously got a great resource for everything that's in the nation. But it's not about them. This is about you today. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, I guess to start with, I mean, Paul's Valley, right? You, You were born and raised here, I assume. Yeah, I was born and raised here. I moved away for about 10 years. I came back for cheap studio rent. So uh, I, I found a building that a friend of mine owned, and I told her, you know, if, if you let me fix that up, if you rent it to me cheap, I'll, I'll fix it up really nice. She said, well, how does 150 a month sound? I was like, I can move back for that, yeah. So it also had a space in the back that I could live in it, too. So, uh-huh. well, then I was just totally surrounded by everything I loved, you know, art, music, and, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So I moved back to Paul's Valley for that. Eventually met this woman who became my wife. And, of course, she didn't want to live in a studio. So, you know, we lived in a house. You had to buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> had to have a house. Yeah. You know, all that. That makes sense. Uh, so for people li- people listening who have who've never heard of you, don't know what you do, but I can guarantee they're very aware of your work they just might not know it was your work. They're aware of the things that you've done. Um, well, when people meet you for the first time, what do you tell them? Like, what's your elevator pitch? Hi, my name's Kevin. I do whatever. I, I do whatever. No, <laughs> I do whatever I want. Yeah. yeah. Now I do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do art and music. Uh, I've been a toy designer. Uh, I do portrait work. I, I've played a variety of instruments in, in a variety of bands. 
Uh, I just essentially believe in seeking out what you love and making that your work. So uh, that's what I've done. Yeah. Where does, where does toy design start for you then? Well, where it started for me was uh, in 1990, uh, I got a call from a friend who I went to college with. And uh, we hadn't talked in four or five years. And uh, he looked me up and he had started a company that uh, was working with other toy companies, freelance. Uh, they were writing the copy on the back of packaging and things like that. And he calls me up on a Friday evening and says, how would you like to design toys for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Well, he didn't realize that in the time that we had not seen each other, I'd become a toy collector. I had thousands of toys. And I told him, I said, you wouldn't believe what I'm sitting around right now. So uh, I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And he says, well, can you be on a plane for L.A. Monday morning at 9 a.m.? I said, you bet I can. <laughs> so I went home and told my wife. I said, I got a pack. I said, you'll not believe the call I got. And so... Uh, I flew out to L.A. and did yeah. toy designs for the Turtles and did that for 10 years and did other toy designs for lots of other toy toy lines. Sure, yeah. So that just increased my collection even more. So, you know. So the passion started long before you even got a job in toy design. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the passion started as a kid. Uh, I shared a bedroom with two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother, and we had this basement in the house that was just kind of a catch-all. And I went to my parents and I said, if I clean that up and organize it, could I have that as my play area? And they were like, yeah, great. If you're going to clean it up, sure. Well, so I did that and I set up all my toys a lot like I have them set up in the museum. And of course, my brothers were really upset about it. But, you know, my dad said, get over it. He, he did the, had the idea and he did the work. So yeah, yeah, too yeah. bad. Yeah. So, so from your early age, then obviously you're collecting toys, but were you drawing as well as a kid and an artistry? Like what gets you, you know, before you get that call from, from your friend, what gets you into? Oh, I, I've, I've always been an artist. Okay. So, uh, in fact, my father would tell the story that when I was four years old, he and I, and I don't even remember this, but he told the story that he and I were watching a, a PBS program on Michelangelo. And I was laying on the floor watching the whole show. And when it was over, I turned and looked at him and said, I, that's what I want to do. So, so from the time I was three or four years old, I knew that I wanted to be an artist. And so I've always done that. Uh, even as a kid, I did it a lot. And I've worked out a lot of, uh, you know, the problems you have in learning to be an artist. I worked those out at a very young age. So I was always doing art. Yeah. I mean, everybody knew when I was a kid that's what I was going to be. Sure. And I was terrible at sports, so that helped. <laughs> I didn't have that distraction of, gosh, I really want to play football. Yeah. That didn't happen. <laughs> so so at, that, yeah, at that time then when everyone's like, hey, you know, Kevin's going to be the artist, what is the path, I guess, to becoming a successful artist at that point? You know, is it I need to go to this school, I need to do – because you know, people who are listening, I assume the path's different now than what it was back then. Well, for me, the path is to just keep doing it sure. and get good at it. And and for me, uh, the reason I've had a lot of success is my ability to do a lot of different styles in a lot of different mediums and 
you know, I, I went to college uh, at the University of Oklahoma and majored in art, uh, but I was selling paintings all through college. So, you know, I've, I've always done it. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 15, I started working at an ad agency, and by the time I was 18, I was over the art department. So, you know, you can either do it or you can't. Right. You know, I mean, degrees don't really matter. Yeah. You know, you, people either see you can do the work or they don't. And and I have young artists that come into my studio and I tell them, you know, I'll look at your portfolio and, you know, help you out or whatever, give you a critique. And they don't have anything to show me. Yeah. I'm like, well, how are you going to be an artist if you don't have any art? <laughs> yeah. So you have to do art. During, so during that time when you're, you're at, you know, you're studying art at OU, what was the main thing that you learned while in school? Because if you're an artist, you're like, hey, I'm just, I, you probably didn't even have to go to, to school, right? If you're like, I want to be an artist, like, I could possibly not go to college and still be fine, successful, sell my paintings. Yeah. Why go to school? And then what did you learn from being in school? I think, I think the thing that you get from college that I didn't take advantage of uh, enough are the people you meet mm -hmm. and uh, the people that you meet that introduce you to other people, things like that. Uh, I, I think I, I wished I'd utilized that part of college more uh, or in the art school. Mm -hmm. uh, now, a lot of the biggest art commissions and jobs I've had were people I met in college. But uh, there are other people that you know, kind of made other art connections through college and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was just so honed in on making the art. I wasn't doing a lot of that. So yeah. I wish I had done more of that. Yeah, yeah, It worked out, though, obviously. Yeah, like, oh, you know, yeah. You get that phone out. call in 1990. Yeah. It clearly works out fine. Yeah. Uh, so so when, then at that time then, when you graduate. Oh, wait. You know, I didn't graduate. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I, I, well, let's see. And I always say, uh, all right, I, when I went to college, the first two years, I was really gung-ho, and I got through all my required subjects and things yeah. like that for an art major. And so then I was taking tons of art classes. Yeah. And, and it got to a point where I finally talked to my advisor, and he says, he looks at what I've taken and all, he says, you can take anything you want as long as it's not in the school of art. I said, whoa, but that's why I'm that's here, <laughs> you know? And he says, no, he, he says, you can take swimming or fencing or, you know, the, the history of whatever. He said, but you can't take any, you shouldn't take anything in the School of Art and you'll get your degree. So I signed up for all these classes, you know? And of course I wasn't going, of course, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I was selling paintings and stuff at the time. So I, I was not motivated to go to class. But I decided, well, I ought to go to class. And so I went to this history class that I hadn't been to in three weeks. And they passed out a five-page test. And I looked at it. I, I didn't know anything. So I just got up and walked out. I said, I'm finished with school. You know, and people would say, they'd ask me, well, did you finish school? I said, oh, I'm finished with school, all right. You know? <laughs> I didn't graduate, but I'm finished with school. So, yeah. so anyway, I didn't graduate. But I do tell young people, young artists, you, you should go to college. You've got to go to art school. You've got to go to college. Because really that is where you learn a lot more. It broadens your horizons. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, I, I was so focused on one kind of art when I went into college 
that that coming out, I saw, oh, it opened a whole world. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very supportive of people going to college and especially art school. Yeah. Were you paying for your college through selling your art while you were going to? A lot of it, yeah. And I was paying my own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I would go for, you know, two or three semesters. I'd, I'd. quit for a semester and then I go back and mm-hmm. you know so I, I always joke it was the best eight years of my life you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you did everything you had to as an art major just not all the other boring stuff you actually yeah. have to do to graduate yeah. right to get yeah. the other random well, electives you know, I, I did a lot of that the required subjects in those first two years yeah you know and I was going to like uh, uh, winter intercession spring intercession summer right. intercession you know I was just man I was just gung-ho about going to school and yeah. then you know, after a while, I was like, well, I just want these art classes. <laughs> well, you found what you love to do, right? Like from right. a very young age, where you're very fortunate to, to have that. Because a lot of people don't find out what they want to do for, yeah. you know, might even ever. Uh, but the good thing is, you know, you found that and then you had the commitment, the confidence to be like, no, this is me. I'm going to do this. Yeah. I don't care what anyone else says. Yeah. I am going to be an artist. Right. Which even in, you know, in today's world, if someone says they're going to be an artist, everyone's like, yeah, but what do you? What else are you gonna do for money? Like, uh-huh. What's your What's your real job? Yeah, you know, I hear that a lot, and and parents that their kids are really good at art, they're really concerned that he should have something to fall back on. Right. You know, well, I've been real successful at art, so you yeah. know, and I've done other things. You know, I've owned a winery and I've mm-hmm. owned a restaurant and all this other stuff, and and it always got back to well, you know, it was art that was paying the bills. Mm-hmm. Maybe you ought to be an artist, you know, but. Uh, I'm always waking up thinking, what else would I like to do, you know? I haven't been a truck driver yet, you know? Maybe I should try that. Yeah. But, or, or, or paint trucks. Yeah. Or, painting trucks. Oh, I've already painted trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, um, so, so during this time then, you know, you're kind of like, like I'm done with school. I'm just going to be an artist. You know, you're in Norman, you're in Oklahoma, you're from Paul's Valley. Take us there. What, what's like, you know, what, what's going through your head at that time? What do you have in any kind of grief from family that says, hey, you should get a real job and do this? Like, what, what is the no, scene I, right I, at that time? No, I've never had any grief from family because I never went and asked them for money. <laughs> uh, but no, I've always been able to make money. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not motivated by money. Right. I'm, I'm motivated by experience, by challenges, you know. Uh, and so to me, it's always what do I want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and I find a way to do it. Um, you know, it's, it's just always been that way. Yeah. I mean, I've always, and actually my sister and, and two brothers, all four of us have always worked for ourselves. Yeah. We've always kind of had our own careers and not really worked for other people. Did your parents work for themselves too? Yeah. 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 Well, my father did. My mother didn't work. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my father had his own business. He sold insurance. Okay. So that's another like kind of very common trait, right? Is it if you're you're a fa- if you're you know the son or daughters of entrepreneurs, the likelihood is you're going to be an entrepreneur too. Yeah. You know, and whether well, because it's your normal. Yes. You uh-huh. know, and and that was our normal. Yeah. So. So then finishing school, you know, I'm done. Are you thinking I'm, I'm going to go get myself an art gallery or I mean, oh, I'm going to travel? What do you do at that time? Well, actually, when I uh, rented the building for 150 a month, that became my sure. first art gallery. Right. Uh, so it was my studio slash art gallery, mm-hmm. but also where I made music. Uh, so that just became the spot where people could come and see the art or come and discuss a project or whatever. 
So it's always been essential for me to have a downtown building uh, where people can come and, you know, look at art or uh, talk about, you know, hiring me to do an art job or whatever. Yeah. And I have a studio at home, but I don't like to work at home as much. You know, there are too many distractions. Yeah. There's laundry to do or the cat's trying to, you know, get your attention or whatever, you know. So, yeah, this is your space, right? Yeah, it's it's that's the home space, and I like the workspace. So. Yeah. So then, forward back, you know, forwarding to that call in 1990, where you jump on a plane and go to LA, mm-hmm. and you think, wow, like LA is a lot different than Paul's Valley, and what, I'm, and I, I'm gonna, you know, even though I've been collecting, what's this toy design thing, and and I'm obviously aware of who the Ninja Turtles are at that mm-hmm. time. I mean, that must be exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, I was definitely aware of the Ninja Turtles at the time. I, I didn't have any in my collection, but mm-hmm. I soon remedied that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it just, you know, uh, I don't know. It just, to me, it was just a, it was a great job. It was fun to work with friends and, and do things like that. So, uh, you know, I, it, it just was another job. Sure. You know, but uh, I don't know. I can't explain. It's just uh, it was fun. But you, but you kind of left L- left here, moved to L.A., and you were living the life. Oh, in I didn't LA. move to L.A. No, 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 no. They wanted me to move to L.A. Yeah, but I'm kind of like, you know, and people ask me all the time, "How come you didn't move to L.A.?" And my response is, "Do you want to live in L.A.?" And they're like, "Well, no." I said, yeah. "Okay, I don't want to live in L.A." Sure. But uh, for me. It was easier to be here and commute to L.A. uh, because I always said I want a, you know, a Los Angeles salary on an Oklahoma cost of living, you know. Uh, So I would rather just commute and and do that than live there. I would be too distracted living in L.A. There would be concerts and plays and museums and art openings. Oh, my goodness. I wouldn't get any work done. Yeah. You know, which is the same reason why I don't. Uh, play video games or anything like that. Yeah. I wouldn't get any art done. <laughs> well, I mean, what about going into designing video games? You ever think about that? Uh, we did a little work for Nintendo at one yeah. time, and and they sent some games over and stuff. And you know, we, yeah, okay, we got to quit playing games and get back to work. <laughs> you know, and we we did a design project for some games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've done a little bit of that, but not yeah. much. So when, when you say, you know, you, you designed toys and Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, define that to me and you can go down the rabbit hole because a lot of people think, you know, oh yeah, he's probably designed this. Well, you know, when I, I mentioned movies, I think of, you know, the Ninja Turtle movie and all the other movies and stuff. And, and then you dive into the animation route and all of that. But what specifically was your role, your job, and what were you doing for that period of time? Well, well you know, it's funny because when I talk to people here in the museum about toys, it's like they all think these things just appear. Sure. You know, <laughs> I'm like, no, there's work involved. Mm-hmm. And this is why I love toys so much and why I collect toys is I've always been uh, enamored with the, the style, the artwork, the quality that goes into mm-hmm. designing and creating toys. Uh, but as a designer, what a designer does is uh, a toy company will have buy the license to create a line of toys based generally on a cartoon or a movie or whatever. Well, they have to, the designer takes that initial project, uh, look at the films, they look at the cartoons, whatever, and then they decide what characters they're gonna do. 
and a designer decides, you know, what pose is that character going to be in? Where are the points of articulation? Um, what are the accessories? Is it going to have any like play action? You know, uh, you know, are the arms going to pop up or whatever? You know, that's all done by the designer, and then uh, the company approves those designs, and then it goes on to a sculptor. And so then the sculptor works from the designer's drawings. Mm -hmm. And I, I say this a lot because I have friends who are sculptors and, you know, they tend to like to sculpt. Yeah. <laughs> so if you told them, oh, sculpt me a, a such and such figure, it would have so much detail on it. it, it we may have to charge $100 for it, you know. Right. And the toy company's going, no, wait, we want to charge eight ninety nine. Smooth out these lines, this, you know? yeah. And so a designer kind of reins in the the mm -hmm. sculptor um, they we designed for what the price point is you know and that kind of stuff so that's what a designer does yeah so. well and i'm sure like the design process as well evolves over the technology of the toy and the technology that's available as well right because right I mean, that's yeah. you know the, yeah. the, some of the toys now you're like wow, if I had this as a kid. I mean, yeah, well, see, and, and like engineers are involved yeah. and things like that. If you're talking transformers, you know, an engineer is involved. It, it puts all that together, you know, uh, and makes all those folds and, and stuff happen to make a, a truck look like a jet, you know, mm. or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's beyond me, okay? <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the other thing you mentioned, you worked and you did some work on The Simpsons too. Yeah, did some little work on The Simpsons, yes, yeah. which I thought was a great line. Uh, they did over 300 characters for that line, wow. which was great. I mean, Star Wars does way more than that, but 300 characters is a lot. Yeah. So, and again, when you ta are talking about a designer, they'll say, well, Homer Simpson and Bart Simpson, they're the main characters. So we want to sell as many Homer characters as we can, sure. as many or make those available. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've got, you know, casual Homer, you've got Sunday best Homer, you've got Homer in his uh, gear that he wears at the nuclear power plant. You know, you've got all these different Homers. Well, all those have to be decided on, and that's what a designer does. So when the company says, well, we want, you know, 10 different Homers, what are they going to be? You know, you've got to come up with that. Yeah. So, you know. Do you miss that side of things? Uh, yes, some, yeah, right. I do. But, you know, I've done other things, so, yeah. you know. Well, so during this time, then, you're commuting from, you know, from here and going out there. Are you going out every week? Are you going out oh, every no. two weeks? I mean, like, once no, a month? No, like, like, what's the work schedule? Two, two or three times a year. Oh, really? Know? Yeah. That, so really not that much at all. No, then. but then it got to where I didn't have to go out there anymore. I could do it here and just yeah. send it online. Yeah. You know? I mean, I did uh, toy designs for... You know, companies in France and Italy and things like that. I never met anybody from the company, you yeah. know, and I would just send it out to the, you know, through the internet. So, yeah. You know. Well, the good thing is then, so because you're working remotely effectively mm -hmm. in, you know, you've got plenty of time to do your work. You don't have any other things that are pulling you away. Like you mentioned, potential distractions in LA, art, music, stuff like that. So your work schedule generally isn't, look, I work nine to five and I clock out at five and I'm done. What else, you know, you have more, you have a lot more time to do stuff than most people do. Well, now, to, to be true to the, the, the toy work, yeah. you didn't always have a lot of time. So, sure. 
there were some uh, toy lines, they decide we weren't going to have toys, we're not going to have toys, and then two weeks before, they go, we, we need toys. <laughs> so in two weeks, you've got to yeah. come up with a whole toy line and have it sculpted okay. to go to, like, New York Toy Fair. So we were working 24 hours a day to get something done. Okay. I was sleeping on my couch at my office in L.A., 30-minute yeah. naps, and then getting back up to do more work, you know. Oh, so wow. sometimes it's very intense yeah. and, and very quick. It's not like you had uh, all the time in the world. Right. <laughs> but once that was done, then, yeah, I could move on to other projects. Yeah. I prefer to work project by project. Sure. Uh, as opposed to working, you know, nine to five for somebody. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, project-based makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Like, so we have an, a beginning and an end. Once it's finished, it's finished. Right. Yeah, we have a de deadline. Let's just knock yeah. it out. Yeah. And with the toy companies, you would sometimes do a toy line. You do designs, and then they pull off of it. They say, well, we're not going to do it. And then, you know, six months, a year later, they go, remember that toy line? Well, we want to do it again. Now we want to do it, and you've got a month to have it finished, you know. Okay. Yeah. So... But yeah, I, I do lots of other stuff too. So, well, so what, do you, you know all the other things you mentioned? You know, you're into music and and you do your own. You know, you're you're an artist and and you do not just one thing. You do many other different forms of art. How does this all evolve into? You know, like does it just ran, randomly think? You know, I'm just going to start drawing now. And and this year, you know, it, like do you just pick up things over time, or is it just hey, I'm going to try this and do this, and I'm good at it? Because you're very good at a lot of things. Uh, well, I, I like to paint in a lot of different styles. Yeah. And uh, which has helped me a lot uh, to get, you know, projects. Uh, but I also, uh, you know, I'm into performance art, things like that. So I actually create other artists mm -hmm. that I become. Uh, so that's always a lot of fun. So, and sometimes I create the artist and then have to go create his work. Mm. Uh, the pop artist, Red Kittens. You have to understand too that everything I do has a sense of humor to it. Oh yeah, I figured that. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, everything I do starts as a joke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we had an art walk here, and there's a lady here who has a, another art gallery, and she asked me who my featured artist was going to be at the art walk. And this was like two months out. And I said, oh, well, his name is Red Kittens. And she goes, that's his name? I said, yeah, that's his name, Red Kittens. I'm making it up on the spot, okay? <laughs> and she says, where is he from? I said, he's from uh, Amarillo, Texas. See, uh, he's from Amarillo. I said, well, what does he paint? I said, he paints red kitties. He's, he's got this red cat. He just paints these red kitties. Yeah. And she said, oh, wow, well, okay. Well, I then went and created <laughs> the artist, Red Kittens, and I created a whole body of work. Yeah. I, I had less than two months to create a whole body of work. And so Red Kittens became this pop artist, and I had this short-haired wig and sunglasses, and so I kind of looked like Andy Warhol or whatever, and I became Red Kittens. Yeah. I even gave him the different voice, a different way of uh, standing and walking and all this, and created this whole persona. Uh, my older sister and brother had no idea that I was Red Kitten. They even came to the opening and didn't know it was me. They're like, is okay. Kevin supposed to be here? Where's Kevin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's yeah. Kevin? Where's yeah. They said, he's over there. That's, that's not Kevin. Where's Kevin? You know, yeah. 
no, that really is him. So, yeah. So I created this, and that to me is fun. I mean, it's just enjoyable. I love theater, but I hate memorizing lines. Sure. Okay, so I'm terrible at that. Uh, so I, this is my opportunity to be in theater, but not have to rehearse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and like, I mean, I'm interested in just kind of that whole thing, right? You just create off the top of your head, straight off the dome, yeah, this guy's Red Kittens, I've created a line for him, and then you just go after it, and that's it, that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you just love being creative, you love a storyline, and then not just, you know, you go down the rabbit hole, and like, this is a guy's entire backstory, Unless yeah. if someone asks a question, i got to have an answer for uh-huh, it. You exactly. know, like that's, it's fascinating to do it that way. Yeah. Is anyone else, do you know anyone else that does that? Uh, oh, I'm sure there are other artists that do it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they But go not any personally. Like, hey, yeah, this guy, I know this guy. He used to do this. I'm going to try and do the same yeah. thing. No, that's not how I hit on it. Yeah. Uh, to me, it was just, oh, this is this will be fun. You know, and so I did that. But I had other styles of art I like to do. And I thought, well, why don't, why not create artists for those styles of art? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jet Black does these paintings that are uh, thunderstorms at night. And really what I wanted to do was a series of paintings that were black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that I did those, and they became almost abstract, uh, which I enjoyed too. And then I've always liked to paint birds, realistic paintings of birds. And so I came up with the character Ivory Keys, and she paints the birds. Yeah. So, uh, And then Sam and Chevy does this wild kind of skateboarder art and things like that. So I've got all these different artists that I do, but if you look in, in the gallery and you see what Ivory does, it's nothing like what the other artists do. So uh, it, it, it really separates the yeah, styles right. more. Uh, I've said to people, you know, when, when they would go to my one-man art shows, they would say, is this a group show? Because this looks like a lot of different artists. And I go, no, it's just me. But now I'll have a show with just Red Kittens, mm. and, and we may have a show in Norman or Oklahoma City, and I show up as Red, and yeah. I stay Red all through the opening. That's yeah. just less fun, though, as well, isn't it? Like, no, it's, it's fun, so much man, fun to it's do a it. lot of work. It is a lot of work, I'm sure. Two hours being a character, <laughs> kind of tough, and man... I'm telling you, you got to watch yourself because you want to slip out of character. Right. But I, I just stay in character. Yeah. What's the art scene here like from, from your perspective? In Oklahoma yeah. or Paul's Valley? Uh, let's go <laughs> Oklahoma because I assume you are the art scene yeah. in Paul's Valley. Well, I'm not the only art scene. Actually, there are a lot of artistic people here in Paul's Valley. Yeah. So it's really, it's great. Um, oh, I think the art scene here in Oklahoma is wonderful. Uh, it's very supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I like it. it it's doesn't. It's not competitive uh, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we all really support each other a lot, and and I enjoy that. And and anybody, young artists, old artists, people just starting out, I always encourage them to come to my studio, and I'll I'll you know show them how to do this or how to do that, or look at their portfolios and things like that. So. No, I, I love the art scene here. Yeah. So, do you enjoy teaching as well? Yeah, I do some teaching, and yeah. and I've done, I've even done some teaching in the uh, school system. You haven't gone back to OU and taught, have you? No, I haven't gone back to OU. <laughs> not yet. No, not yet. <laughs> Didn't get that invite. No, no, I hadn't done that yet. But yeah. uh, I taught at the high school. Uh, I've filled in uh, for a semester when the teacher couldn't be there and things like that. Sure. And, 
And I've taught some private lessons and things like that. Uh, to me, I feel it, it might have taken me a while to learn this or that, uh, but there's really not a mystery to a lot of it. And so I try to take that mystery out of it for people. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think oil painting is hard. You know, it's very difficult, you know. Well, most artists want you to think that, okay? Because they don't want just anybody doing, doing it. Right. But I dispel the mystery in that and say, okay, look, it's really easy to do this, this, and this, and, you know, and, you know, and it works. Yeah. So, so the, um, you know, we've got to talk about it. The reason we're in this room, the, the Toy in Action Museum that's in Paul's Valley. Mm -hmm. Where does the idea come from to have a toy in action museum to the public because you know over the 30 minutes we've been talking clearly you've been collecting for a very long time yeah well i started collecting in 86 yeah because the girlfriend i had at the time drug me to an antique flea market okay i was like <laughs> i don't want to go look at antiques all afternoon but they had all these toys yeah and they were cheap and I, so i came out with an armload of stuff and i was like wow that was really fun she goes well, it happens every month. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so that's how my collection got started. Uh, and then I kept moving and, and collecting more and more. But the way we got started with the Toy and Action Figure Museum here is that all of these action figures were in my studio. And it was just my space. It was my collection. It was what I loved. Yeah. And, well, news stations would come and do a story on the fact that I was designing toys and things like that, but they would always show my collection. And so after the show would run, uh, people would knock on my door. They'd be from out of town and, and they would knock on my art studio door and say, can we come in and see the toys? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm in here working, but come on in, you know? And, and so people would do that. And, and Paul's Valley started a visioning process in the year 2000. It was like uh, they wanted to plan their growth for the next 10 years. And so I was part of all that and we all got together and they, they identified some of the things they wanted. They wanted a theater group, they wanted an art and cultural center, and they wanted unique tourist attractions in the downtown area. Mm -hmm. Well, I joked I was the unofficial tourist attraction and that we ought to make it official. Yeah. Well, again, I was joking, you know, and the guy I was joking with went back to the committee and said, Kevin Stark's going to donate all of his toys to a toy museum. I said, no, I didn't say that. I said, but I will loan you my toys. Yeah. So, so we d developed a group that started making the plans uh, to have a toy and action figure museum. Mm -hmm. uh, now, it took us five years to get open because there wasn't a building big enough initially to get started. But in the meantime, we were getting our 501c3 nonprofit mm -hmm. status. Uh, we were designing what the museum could look like and, and kind of putting a lot of the you know, technical stuff together. Well, when this building came open, we've got 7,000 square feet here. This used to be Lentz Department Store for 75 years. And it went out of business and we came in, rented mm -hmm. the building and uh, gutted the building and built all that you see in here. Yeah. So, yeah. So we opened in 2005 and have been open ever since. And so it's been a great thing. We've had people from all over the world come here. 
and check this place out. Yeah. Um, I've done interviews in Japan and Australia and Germany about this place. Wow. And they'll send me the magazine articles and stuff. I can't read You can't them. read a thing. I said, <laughs> yeah, but great. I can see the pictures. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and then, uh, you know, I've, I, we've done interviews in the New York Times, uh, you know, Dallas Morning News, all over Chicago, yeah. you know, all these different places. We got in uh, Wizard Magazine, which was a toy and comic collecting magazine. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me because I always bought Wizard Magazine and read it. So that was very cool. We were one of the destinations to go to to see, you know, this kind of stuff. Right. And then Time Magazine uh, voted us one of the 50 places to see true Americana yeah. in the United States. So that was a big deal, too. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Right? When so, Time Magazine is giving you, you know, daps. It's yeah. like, okay. So we right have thing. become this kind of positive, you know, uh, place for Paul's Valley. Sure. So... Uh, and, you know, a lot of people think this is about toys. But it's not really about toys. Because when you come in here, this is about memories. This is about what you had as a child. And because we span from the 50s to today, yeah. you know. Uh, so it's really not about toys. It's, it's about memories. Yeah, that's, you know, the first thing I said to you, right, I remember growing up, I played action with action mans and Legos. And you're like, well, I think I have one action man from the UK. Let's go find it. And he did. And, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> straight away you're thinking of like running, you know, and obviously I think kids now growing up different to what we grew up, running around in the yard and playing with figures and getting, you know, breaking bones and getting dirty and falling off bikes. Right. Um, we could talk about that forever, yeah. <laughs> which I don't want to get into. Uh, but, you know, it, it is really cool. And it's probably nice for you as well, because, you know, once the sets are built, other than building sets, it sort of runs itself. Yeah, right? it does. Uh, I change out the uh, displays uh, fairly often Yeah, when I can. So, And we have a lot more than what you see in the museum. If you come to the museum... And I have people always tell me, oh, well, you don't have such and such. Well, yeah, we do. But we have two more buildings full of toys. Yeah. I've got so many toys that uh, we have to trade them out. Yeah. So I, I could fill a 30,000 square foot facility with what we have. Would you like to do that? I would love to. Just do keep that. buying buildings in Poles Valley and do yeah, that? Yeah, just keep buying buildings. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, initially rented this building and then we bought it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love to have more. Yeah, just have one one big facility. Here it is, come in and out. Just buy a Walmart or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, or I Dollar have, Tree or something. I have like three that. other projects I would like to do that have nothing to do sure. with toys. You know, yeah. so and and I have the buildings you know that I want to buy. Yeah. to do that, but the people won't sell them to me. Sell me those buildings. Yes. And don't, you know, don't bend my twist my arm on price too. Just come yeah. on, just be reasonable, people. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I do want to talk about is, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned wine and then a restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that come in? Because when you know you mentioned owning a winery and having a restaurant, that's probably total opposite to owning toys. I, you know, you don't put those two together. Well, I worked in a restaurant sure. uh, when I was in college, and I started out washing dishes. Yeah. And apparently I showed up for work every day. <laughs> and so they, they wanted to make me a line cook, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, 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 I, I like this job. There's no thinking or whatever, you know. But they said, it's more money. Yeah. I, well, okay. Yeah. So I did that. And, 
And I was like, oh, now we want to put you on the grill. Or what? I said, no, no, don't want to do that. You know? And then and, and I, I did that. And, and then they want to make me the kitchen manager. I said, no, no, don't want to do that. And the guy said, you can write your own ticket, whatever you want. Okay, you know, so Sounds I did that. Yeah. Well, I, the restaurant bug bit me. Okay. And so I always wanted to have my own restaurant. So uh, I bought this winery and converted it into a restaurant and did that for a couple of years and found that it was keeping me away too much from my art. Mm-hmm. And the art was paying the bills. So I leased the restaurant to someone else and let them run it and all. And so I just got the rent off of it then. Yeah. So what, uh, what, what restaurant was it? Well, it was Stark's, uh, restaurant out. It was out by the interstate. Okay. And, uh, you know, very, I tried to give Paul's Valley what they didn't have, which yeah. was a really nice restaurant. Sure. You know, more fine dining type restaurant. Yeah. But people would only come eat there for special occasions. Well, you just can't make it on just special occasions. And, right. and of course, there were all these rumors going around about my restaurant uh, that my steaks were $50. No, they're not $50. They said that I didn't allow children to come in. <laughs> no. I was like... No women and children, I, just I guys like, and why? steaks. I have the yeah. toy and action figure museum. Why would I not allow kids? I love kids. I said... I said you can bring kids to this restaurant. I said, I just don't know why you would, right. you know? No, no, <laughs> no, but I was fine with having children, you know, and all, so yeah. anyway. And then they thought that you had to wear a suit and because I wear suits all the time. They thought, oh, we'd have to wear a shirt and tie or whatever. I said, no, it's very casual, you know, yeah. but, but I think the thing that hurt me the most was I was the first restaurant in Garvin County to have a full bar, uh. okay? So none of the Baptists would come and eat at my place. So I said, I have a back door. You know, I'll let you in the back door. <laughs> you know. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. It makes so much sense. Uh, why do you wear a suit all the time? Uh, well, it keeps me from doing uh, manual labor. <laughs> I don't have anybody say, help me pick this engine up. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. you're not dressed for From it. From now on, people are going to see me in a suit or a sports coat. and like, yeah. what? Oh, you, you dress too well. That's a great, I mean, yeah. it's a great response. Hey, sorry, I, I can't. Can't, yeah. do, can't do that. But you just think I like like the passion, like dressing up, like like being, feeling that feeling when you put on a, a suit and a coat and tie and stuff? Well, you know, for a while there, I was doing so many dirty projects, I didn't wear my suit. Sure. But, uh, Again, it started out as a joke. Yeah. Okay. My wife and I were like, I, I, I was talking to her. I just, because uh, at the time, you know, I mean, I've got the long hair and, and I have like, I had a motorcycle jacket and all this stuff. And, and she was always dressed to the nines, you know, and we would go shopping or whatever. And she would go to her stores and I'd go to mine and we'd go into my, I, I would go find her in her yeah. store and, and always the help would go you know, what, what's he doing in here? You know, kind of thing. And, you know, it's like, so then I'll put a suit on. You know, people really uh, react to you in a totally different way. It's very strange, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. And so, you know, a lot of times you walk into a place and they think, oh my God, the owner's here. Right. It's like, well, no, I'm not the owner, no. <laughs> you know, but anyway. I, I mean, it's true when you, you talk about why, you know, people are the dress for success and, mm-hmm. you know, you look like a, you're dressed in a suit and people, it's... It's such a weird world, but it's true. You know, mm-hmm. as much as you yeah. don't want to do it, 
so to me, it's like a sociology experiment. Yeah. You know, uh, we used to go to this certain restaurant every Saturday night. Uh-huh. And I said, well, I want to try something out. So I'd leave a $50 tip like every Saturday night. Yeah. I wanted to see how long it took before the waitresses started fighting over who got to wait on us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that yeah. was fun. Are you into that kind of sociology, psychology side of things as well? Read a lot of books and kind of fascinated in that yeah, research? I'm, I'm fascinated in, with that stuff. Yeah. 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 I think it's very interesting. Yeah. But I'm playful with it. I don't right. like to be hurtful it? with it. Sure. You know. Yeah. Well, that's like, it, it's just intriguing, right? Like, it's just the way that, you know, and the good thing is you can kind of do your own social experiments, like what you just mentioned with mm-hmm. the tip. You know, you can just have fun with it. Yeah. You know, and it makes it a game kind mm-hmm. of then when you have fun with it, and, you know, you do it that way rather than teaching it. It doesn't seem like any fun at all. Right. right? <laughs> like yeah. reading from, no one enjoys reading from like a psychology textbook, but <laughs> no. then you say, hey, go and do this out in the real world and you'll, sh- you know, we'll show yeah. you what the impact yeah. is. Yeah. That's a lot more fun than, yeah. you know, diving into a textbook or whatever. Yeah. Well, and also my father always wore a suit. Oh, and, okay. and I think there's this, of course, he sold insurance. Well, so, yeah, yeah, it was fit, fitted to. Uh, yeah. yeah, but if, there's always that that saying that you end up becoming your parents, you know. And uh, so my older brother teases me that I've, yeah. I've become my father. So. Did he have long hair and a motorcycle too? No, no, <laughs> he didn't. But, you know, the funny thing was as a youngster, as a high school kid, oh, he's always mad at me about my long hair. Sure. And uh, and was always wanting me to get it cut and things like that. And as an adult, I, I had really long hair that was a long braid down the back of my back. And he was like, I, one day I was at his house. I was going, oh, I think I'm just going to cut all this off. And he goes, no, you can't do that. I was like, what? I said, who are you? You know, and, and he says, you can't cut your hair. That's your, That's like, your identity. identity. Yeah. That's your, your thing. I was like, what? You know, I was amazed that now he was telling me I can't cut my hair. Right. All these years of growing up, he's like, dude, you need to cut your hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're drawing unwanted attention to us because you look like you should be in a biker gang. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, you're known for looking like you're in a biker gang and yeah. you can't cut your hair. <laughs> the, the other thing I, I kind of want to touch on and talk about is the fact that toy values have gone through the roof, mm-hmm. right? Like the collecting side of things has gone nuts. Yeah. And for better, for worse, whatever it is, like people, you know, and, and I think this is just reoccurring through history, right? It's like as soon as something gets 20 plus years old, it's collectible now, right? right. And everyone's like, oh, I used to play with these. I only paid a dollar for them when I was a kid, and now they're worth $1,500. Well, whatever. Because there's not very many of them left. Right. That's the and thing. And yeah. those same people who played with them as a kid want them. Yes. They want to recapture that. Yeah. And so they have disposable income. So they're like, oh, yeah, I'll pay $150 for that yeah. toy, you know, or whatever. I, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a guy who he he's a, works in a car detail, does painless dent repair, but he collects Hot Wheels. Mm-hmm. And in his in his detail shop is just Hot Wheels everywhere, still in the box, still collecting them. And I kind of asked him the same thing, you know, and then I saw an article yesterday that it was like, here are the top five, you know, Hot Wheels cars that you can find. And it's because, one of them is because everyone used to break them up as kids, you know, like mm-hmm. just, there's not that many of them. Right, right. They, there's not that many left. And so, you know. Yeah. 
supply and demand. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense over history. Like, I could be a great investor. <laughs> you know, yeah. In 20 years' time, if I'm worth, worth, worth waiting, I could go buy all, all of these toys. Well, a lot of these behind me that are on the wall, I bought in the 90s. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, now they're worth a lot of money. Mm. But I don't buy for the investment. Right. Uh, I buy because I like it. Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't have this facility if you bought for the investment because you'd right. be continually trading and selling, and you'd probably have a killer eBay account, right? right? Or your own yeah. Shopify website. I don't toys. even buy stuff off of eBay. Yeah. So I mean, not very often. Uh, it's very rare that I'll pick anything up. Yeah. I like to see it, look sure. at it, hold it in my hand. You still go to a trade like the shows and the fairs and stuff. Some of them, the yeah. Big shows every year. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest one? Well, the biggest thing to go to is, you know, the Comic-Con in San Diego. Oh, yeah. And I've been there three times. Do you dress up for that, too? The what? Do you, would you dress up for it? Because people dress up for that, right? In oh, superhero well, yeah, the cosplay stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't do any of that. No? No. Dress up as one of your artists and go out there? if I did that, <laughs> you know, because I, I can build all kinds of things and, and stuff, and no, I would... Yeah. I don't do that. Well, but coming to, to the present world, what do you see in like today's toys? And is there anything from today's kind of toy industry, toy world that you're still kind of involved in or have a passion for? Well, I think today's toys have become a lot more, like you said, about the collector. Mm. So there are toys that are made especially for collectors. And these are more expensive. They're fewer. Yeah. And uh, they're done highly detailed you know, beautiful. To me, I say these are sculptures for the masses. Sure. Okay. That's what toys have become. Uh, so they're, they're great. I mean, the toys for little kids are still out there, but, you know, the kids, the younger kids and all have gone so much into the computers and the video games and all that kind of stuff that toys, action figures aren't the the draw they used to be. Yeah. So, but they are still a draw to adults. Sure. And so adult collectors, you know, I know a guy who buys these action figures and the cheapest are like $200, you know, and he's got a whole house full of them, you know, and, uh, I, I haven't gone quite that route yet. (laughs) (laughs) You bought what three warehouses instead. (laughs) You know, I'd have to sell a few of my toys in order to get some of those. But yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. I have a hard time paying that. But I've I've uh, got a few of those, very few. Yeah. Do you? So those would be like your personal kind of prized possession type. Hey, I have my own. Like this is yeah. my vault kind of place. Yeah. You know, well, these you know, are, these are gotta, ones that are just for me. No one, you know, never yeah. going to sell them, kind of thing. Just I got, you got to be select. Yeah, yeah, of course. Every now and then. Yeah. Um, What's in? Well, I mean, what are they as kind of eclectic as this collection, or are they more like? No, I like to collect these specific ones because this is my. Well, thing. I'm big into Batman, so okay. I have a massive Batman collection. Yeah, huge Batman collection, and of the Batmans, I like to collect Batmobiles. Yeah, so I will pass up an action figure a lot of times to get just to get the Batmobile. You know, I won't pass up a Batmobile. If I don't have it. I've got to have it. Have, I mean, you can buy replica real cars. Have you tried yeah. that? Yeah. Well, people ask me here. Do you want? What's do the that one day? toy you don't have that you'd like to have? I said, a drivable 1966 Batmobile. Okay. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to pay 150 to 200 thousand dollars for yeah. it. So. There's a guy. This was on the news like recently, maybe this year. Uh, definitely this year. Uh, a guy in L.A. I think builds them. Mm-hmm. 
and it was on the news because I guess he because you you know it's custom built you you know he builds he sends you a check you send him money more money he continues to build so, you know right. you know it's a payment thing right yeah I'm familiar with what you're doing yeah so the guy I guess some, some police officer had stopped you hear the story yeah yeah the sheriff department went yeah. flew out there flew out and, yeah did you see did this? all this kind of stuff and illegal basically sent to a different jurisdiction and tried to get yeah, yeah I saw this yeah it's uh yeah I, I think that sheriff's department is going to be in a little trouble yeah yeah because so I only heard about it because I listened to a car podcast because I love cars and the guy the guy who hosts the car podcast had this this guy who builds them on the podcast to talk about it. Oh wow! And well, it's fascinating. Yeah, because you know, yeah. he, he just like yeah, I just kind of like to build back cars. You know, mm-hmm. like, who doesn't, right? Yeah, he's licensed to build yeah. Batmobiles, yeah. the '66 Batmobile. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But it takes a while, and the guy he was building it for was impatient. Yeah, and had a lot of money and not enough sense. Right. You know, and too much influence. With his local sheriff's department. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you wouldn't, you still, even though, you know, even if, if someone said, you know, I mean, obviously, you, you, who wouldn't turn a down one for free, but you wouldn't, you still wouldn't buy one, even if it was $150,000? Oh, well, if whatever, I had 150000 laying around, you'd yeah, buy one. I'd buy yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. But it's still time. I need to have an extra 150000 just laying around. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's. Uh, now, I knew a guy in Dallas who had one. Okay. And he said the problem is when he drives it around, people follow him. Well, yeah. And they stop him and they want to ride. They want to take a picture and have a ride. Yeah, it's a rolling museum. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I don't want one. You just wanted to park it in here. I would just park it in the front of the museum and, you know, let people take pictures of it. Yeah. All that. So, ah, so that's going to be that. That seems like the one that the, the one that got away. The one yeah. you don't have yet. Well, maybe the museum. Maybe the museum. It's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're a charity, right? This is this yeah, is part yeah. of the museum. You know, yeah, part maybe, of the museum. People need to come to the museum to pay to get in here to do that, so they can pay for you to get a Batmobile, and then yeah. they're going to be happy because they'll come back and see a Batmobile. Yeah, and come see. It all comes full circle. Yeah. Um, well. That sounds like a great way to end. This seems this has been a blast. I could talk to you about toys forever. Uh, I don't think people want to listen to us talk about toys forever, but <laughs> I could talk to you about toys forever. The other, the last thing I want to talk about is um, the the kind of World War Two scene that we have behind us, and obviously uh-huh. you started the toys. You know, there's a lot of cool planes hanging from the ceiling, uh, and the. Uh, who was the who who who's the toy maker that makes those planes? Twenty first century toys made those. Okay, uh, and they're not models like a lot of people. No, because they're the ones that you they're build. They're actual right? toys that no, they're already put together. Okay, you have to pop the tail fins in, maybe, or pop the wings. Because I, in. as a kid, I my dad used to paint and play with like tiny, not 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 as big as these toys, right. but you would buy the box and then right. you would put it together yeah. and you would those paint are models. It. Yeah, well, and these are not of, models; these no. are actual toys that come with a a pilot that's an action figure. Great. So he's posable, and you can take him out of the yeah, plane yeah. and all that. Yeah. And these were available for several years. Uh, and they covered a lot of World War II uh, planes, mm-hmm. things like that, but also tanks and, um, you know, other vehicles. Yeah. And, I think that's uh, the guy in me that just loves to play with tanks and action figures oh, yeah. and stuff, right? Whereas, you know, you have obviously the Barbies on the girls' side. The guys always have the guns and tanks and mm-hmm. pet planes and And these tanks like are remote controlled. Oh. I, I <laughs> Even need, cooler. I need to come back. <laughs> yeah, we had to create a little war scene here. Um, great. Well, there's so much awesome stuff here, and and you know the thing is, the, like you said, you're changing stuff out. There's so much more to see. People should come down here. You know, 
once a year just to see the different stuff that you have at least uh, and I love the fact that people have come from all around the world to Paul's Valley to see this because they would not have come to Paul's Valley otherwise well probably not probably not right <laughs> like that's the reality is you know you've done some really cool things you continue to do great things um, do you have an art, any art shows coming up that people can see your work at uh, I don't have any coming up okay. uh, right now, but after the first of the year, okay. uh, come spring, I've got several projects going to be happening. Yeah. So. Do you, what, what is the place that people can go and find out where, obviously, we, we, I'll put the link to the website for the Toy and Action Museum, but for the artist side of things, do you have a personal website that you yeah. have where people can find you and, and see the artwork yeah, as well? Yeah, uh, it's Kevin Stark Art. Kevin Stark Art. Okay. Dot com. I'll yes. link that below and as it well. shows all the different artists and the music and the comics that I do all the all other kind of cool stuff. stuff yeah yeah right well what finishing up then what's the next what's next what are you working on next what's your next project I know you mentioned you have a few but what is the one that you're really pumped about well the project I'm working on now is a children's book I illustrate children's books also okay. and this one's all going to be hand painted so yeah. uh, 33 hand painting painted images mm -hmm. uh, for this book. So that's what I'm working on now. Uh, just finished uh, some portraits uh, for another commission. And I'm working on a book for my Starkology, the mythology I created. Yeah. And uh, then Red Kittens has a children's book coming out. Okay. So. A lot of cool yeah. things in there. Yeah. Yeah. People can go find you then and find all your stuff at kevinstark.com. Kevin Stark Art. KevinStarkArt.com. Yeah. And I'll put the Instagram as well stuff links because I know the Instagram page is, is there for the museum as well. So, Kevin, thanks so much for giving me a private tour. Thanks so much for sharing some great stories. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to have to do this again because the things are ever changing. There's a lot of stuff going on. You're a busy man. Yes. Uh, you don't waste any days, I doubt. And, uh, you know, it's glad to see you do so many cool things and, and, I love that you started when you know when when you were four years old and said, "So Michelangelo, I'm going to be I'm going to be an artist." That's what I'm going to, you know. Be. Yeah. And now here we are. So maybe there'll be a painting on the ceiling when I come back next. Yeah. We'll see. Well, <laughs> there is a flying squid on the ceiling of the, <laughs> there we of, of the uh, art gallery. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for people listening. Like I said, I'll post the links to all of Kevin's stuff in the description down below, and we will catch you next episode. Come by Paul's Valley. The where the the address will be here too. So, thanks so much. Catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and finally our third sponsor for today the oklahoma 988 mental health lifeline 988 is the direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with the trained behavioral health professionals that can get all oklahomans the help that they need learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com it's 988oklahoma.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.